0: Thank you for joining us today. This is Clint Byers, lead pastor of Forward Church. I pray this message blesses and encourages you. I hope it inspires transformative grace in your heart and establishes you even deeper in your new covenant identity in Christ. Now take a deep breath, become aware of God's spirit within you, and enjoy the message. Anytime I get an opportunity to grab this microphone or this lapel, right? There's only one thing I'm going to talk about. This one burning desire that's in my heart, and it's always going to be the cause for the loss. Jesus saves. You know, as we were doing that song right there, talking about the light. I love some of the concepts of light that's depicted in the Gospels. Uh, I think it's in John eight twelve. Jesus said, "I am the light of life. He who follows after me will not walk in darkness, but he will have the light of life." And so. I just want to give you guys up front, the title of my message is going to be The Saving Savior in You. You know, we were singing about the promises of God being, you know, the the blessing of being able to enjoy his presence. And so often when I'm in worship, you guys will probably hear me laugh, you will hear me cry. But so often I experience this sense of grief thinking about the lost people that are not participating in corporate worship that don't know God, that don't know Jesus. Are you guys well aware of what it was like to be lost? What it was like to not know Jesus? The pains you went through? Many of us suffered incredibly devastating childhoods. And it's to this day, you know, I, I still have things from my, my past that are affecting me today. All because no one told me about the gospel until I was 16 years old. And, and, and maybe some of you have... Accepted Christ and made Jesus your Lord much later on in life. But I got to tell you, it's a tragedy knowing that Jesus has performed his works on the cross on Calvary, that he is now risen. He is alive and people go on 10, 20, 60, 70 years without ever being given the opportunity, without ever being explained. What does it mean to receive Jesus as Lord? And so. I'm not trying to tell you what I am as far as the calling, but I I am just giving you guys a heads up. Anytime I get this opportunity, right, here's going to be one thing. Jesus saves. And with that being said, as far as the title, the saving savior in you, I I want to clear up uh, the confusion about the commission. Um, And it's the idea that. I I guess we we can ask this question right here. How does Jesus save? We know that Jesus is already going to the cross. You know, in in 1 Corinthians 15, Paul sums up the gospel in this right here. Through the death, the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He's alive. He's already finished his works. But there's a lot of things pertaining to what he did that makes us alive. It gives us hope. It gives us new life and, and meaning. But the question is, how is it that the next person receives Christ? Um, If you guys have heard anything about Clint's crazy story, I don't know many people who've had as wild as uh, a testimony as Clint has. But I want to do a little poll right here. By raise of hands, I want you guys to show me if you have received Jesus some other way than some person communicating the gospel. So let, let me qualify that. If you've never had someone invite you to church, if you've never had someone personally explain the gospel to you and lead you into what we call a prayer of salvation. And I, I know some people knock, you know, the prayer of salvation and, and say that, you know, it, it's not necessary. Well, well, I'll tell you, I've seen stranger things before. You know, the, the idea that someone can pray a prayer as a way of inviting Christ into the heart and to receive Jesus as a Lord. And, and first John three, it talks about how he who loves their brother, they pass from death to life and, and anyone who doesn't love their brother it says that that person is still in death. And it doesn't mean that, you know, they're they're not a Christian. But the Bible uses some really, really strong language to depict anything that's outside of the will of God. It Talks about when we're in sin, if, if we're not loved, if, if, if we don't have peace on our heart. The Bible refers to those things as death. But I've seen many people. In fact, I've seen hundreds of people that I've personally talked to that have led that that'll went that that will pass from death. Into life, and so back to my point right here. the The question that I'm asking is, who has received Christ without there being some verbal communication of the gospel? Whether it was radio, whether it was grandma, you had a praying grandma, or something like that, who who influenced you for the cause of the gospel. Maybe you've watched uh, TV preachers, or someone invited you to church, or someone personally um, led you to the Lord. So, the question is again, who has received Christ without there being some Christ representative? I don't think so. And even Clint and his wife, if, if you pay attention to some of the details of his story, Clint had people in his life who have actually influenced him for the cause of the gospel. And so, the point I'm making is the only way. That people are gonna hear about the gospel is gonna be when we actually influence them. We can invite them to church. There's all kinds of ways, but but the point I'm making is the, the gospel has to be communicated verbally. It has to be communicated verbally. And um I you guys remember the this the story, the parable of the um, I've been thinking about this all week and I had it on my <laughs> mind. But uh the parable, the parable of the Good Samaritan. Talks about how uh, basically a gang of people beat him up, left him half, half dead. And he was basically just just dying. And eventually. A Pharisee or some religious leader comes across and they didn't help him. It says that another leader comes by and they go around and they basically ignore this guy who was beaten, left for de- left uh, for dead. And then eventually it says that a Samaritan comes along takes him in, pays for his end, pays for his treatment, pretty much makes sure that this, this guy's life is, is, is not gonna be hanging by the threads. He, he gets his life back on track. And, and there's a lot of points to be made out of the story of the Good Samaritan, but one of the things that I would like to highlight is that when we're born into this world, it's as if we were that person who were, who were basically left half dead in the streets. We're born beaten bruised by what the Bible refers to as sin. We're all born into sin. And if you got saved when you were a little child, you know, maybe at kids church or maybe your parents led you to the Lord, or maybe you were 16 years old like me. I was 16 years old before I ever actually heard the gospel before. And here's the thing. I had been to church. I heard about the fact that Jesus died on the cross. But as far as like, what did that mean to me? I didn't understand. And I never, never, ever heard about the resurrection of Jesus. You know, we we live. We live in such a privileged. We live in. Can you give me those Kleenex? (laughs) We live in a we live in such such a privileged uh, country that is that is just so saturated with the gospel. You know, there are people around the world as I'm I'm so thankful for the Kretzus that you guys have taken this journey, this step of faith to go across to the ends of the earth where people have never heard the gospel before. And it grieves me and it angers me to know that I was 16 years old before anyone ever told me about Jesus. You know, I didn't grow up in a religious family. We occasionally. We occasionally went to church particularly around the seasons, Christmas, Easter, um, we, we went those times. But as far as someone taking the time to personally communicate the gospel to me, it never happened until I was 16 years old. And in my neighborhood, rough neighborhood, shootouts, stabbings, street fights, you name it. Of all people, of all groups that came into my community, we had the Mormons and the Jehovah Witnesses. And I was I believed in God. I didn't know much about the plan of God and salvation or any of that. But I I wholeheartedly believed in God. But did you know that the Bible says that in Romans 116? It talks about how, you know, Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power of God for every man who believes on it. It's a power of salvation for every man who believes. And it says for in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. But then it goes on to say that the wrath of God is also revealed under heaven. And, and, you know, hell is not a popular topic at all, but hell is a reality. And I know there's a lot of floating theories out there, particular theories that would comfort us to stay disengaged from our participation in the gospel. You know, the idea of, uh, of annihilation, whether or not, you know, people, they'll be judged and they'll just pretty much cease to exist. And 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 my concern with my concern with um, not delving into all the, reta- the the realities of eternity is this right here. I think that it'll cause us to stay passive, to remain passive. That'll be our d- default. I think that we'll stay engaged. You know, maybe there's a different way that God can uh, can make sure that salvation comes to those who have never heard before. But even if. I would say that even if those who have never heard of Jesus would suffer, would not suffer. And let's say that they would just pass into nothingness, so to speak. Let's say that they w- there would be no consequences for not receiving Jesus, except for the fact that they won't get to participate in this this feast that the Bible refers to as his banquet. where we get to spend all of eternity with Jesus and, and explore for eternity all of his goodness. Even if their punishment was just to cease to exist, the fact of the matter is. God cares. God cares and he wants them to know him. So, again, even if there were no fiery consequences, as we've heard, which Jesus actually refers to, even if there were no consequences, God saw it fit to send Jesus so that none would perish. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world. God so loved the world that he sent Jesus. And it goes on to say that this is the judgment right here. It says that they're already condemned. We're born into this world condemned. That's the truth of the matter. So before Critches, before you guys received Christ, you were already born condemned. And it's not because that's the will of the father, but but God is a, a just and a, and, and a righteous God and God. And sin is going to be dealt with. It is. It's going to be dealt with. It's not the sinner he hates. It's the sin. It's what those crippling childhoods that we, those crippling childhoods that we experience, what it does to us. That's what God hates. And he sent Jesus so that no one would ever have to perish. No one would have to perish. Not the LGBT community, not the Satanist None of those people would ever have to perish. And and, the, and, and, the, and and here's another thing. God's not disgusted with their sin. He loves them unconditionally. Here's a thought for you right here. As rare gemstones and precious pearls, so God esteems the people of this world. He sees them as precious. He sees them as valuable. He sees them as as lovely. He, he desires for them that lost sheep to be within the sheep home. Amen. Amen. Father, I thank you. So can we go to First um, Timothy? Chapter two. I'm going to read verses one through six. So it so says, first of all, then I urge that entreaties and prayers, petitions, and thanksgiving be made on behalf of all men, for kings and all who are in authority, so that we may lead a, a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. This is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and to come into the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator. Also between God and man, the man, Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all. The testimony given at the proper time. It's, it's as clear as, as, as day right there. God wants everybody to be saved. And I think the challenge is, if you guys know anything about musical dissonance. So, for instance, you know how amazing Adam seems, right? If Adam were to come up here and and and, guitar, and, and Chris were, were to come up here and play his guitar, And if something just got a little bit out of tune, a little bit about out of tune, or maybe he were playing um, the wrong chords at the wrong time. And so as far as musical dissonance, there's this idea that when you there's a numeric system. I'm going to talk about music a little bit. Chris could probably explain this a little bit better. But there's a musical number reference or system in which music is organized. And so. If I were to sing a C, you would go C D E F G A B. B would be number seven of that, and you would go back to the C. So within a musical um, set of space, there are certain there are certain chords or certain notes that you can hit that would basically imply that there's a need for resolved. Um, have you have you guys ever listened to Jaws before? Like that 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 thing right there is something that they actually do in musical engineering to evoke that certain emotion but in certain musical pieces they will use those to evoke a certain emotion and when you go back to that I'm just going to say C. it creates a sense of resolve and so I think that the thing that God has called this to the idea you know like like uh Luke 5 when when God, well, Jesus was talking to Peter and he told him that from now on you'll catch men. Or in John 14, 12, where he said that the same things that you do, um, the same things that I do, the works that I do, these miracles, you'll do these works and also greater. I think that I think that in our relationship with God, there's this dissonance where it's like I'm not quite there yet. There's some things that may be challenging us, the calling to which he's calling us. there's an in-between, so to speak. You know, there's this calling that God has called us to. And there's a middle space where we're still sorting things out. We're still letting him transform us. And it's like, I don't think I'm quite there yet. There needs to be a resolve. And it's understandable. But the fact of the matter is with this idea of, uh, of, of discomfort, this dissonance from, you know, us not being engaged with the laws to actually participating and reaching the lost um you know god wants to he wants to give us that resolve he really does and it's it's him he's the savior and the thing is it's not up to us to save anybody we there's there's no other name by which man can be saved this it's jesus himself but our participation our involvement is actually required it's it's required and as um i'm forgetting names right now <laughs> Glenn. Glenn is my buddy, y'all. Um, I've got a lot of thoughts going on right now. But as far as um, that passage he was going over in 1 first Corinthians, it talks about that he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit. There's an intrinsic identity that takes place. There's an identity that comes into our heart. And it's as simple as that. If God cares about the loss, when we come into that union, that fellowship with him, we actually take on that same That same desire, that same mantle, that same mandate, if you will. And I was speaking about that confusion there. A a thought I had wanted to share was um, I think that the final words of Jesus have become so so buried far beneath the rubble of deconstructive counter arguments and doctrines that the final words of Jesus are not even recognizable, recognizable anymore. You know, Matthew 28, where he said to go into all of the world, it's all. It's as if we've confused that that's become distorted as, you know, what Jesus said, go into all the world. It's like it's been confused as to go into all of the church. You know, what Jesus said to preach the gospel to every creature. I don't know if it was St. Francis or whoever they accredited to, but there's this saying floating around. Preach the gospel at all times and if necessary, use words. The gospel is to be verbally communicated. And we know that later on in, in Mark 16, Jesus said that, you know, they went out, they preached the word and he confirmed it with the signs accompanying. But I can tell you, I've shared the gospel with thousands of people. I'm not tooting my horn. I believe in this stuff. I really do. I believe that Jesus saves and he wants to use me. He, he's involving me in that plan to reach the loss. And I've, Seeing hundreds of people in my own personal life that I've led to Jesus without any miracles, without any supernatural, spectacular activity. Just in fact, the first guy that I actually shared the gospel with, um, this was a year after I had got saved. And we were doing the outreach and we went out on the streets and there were these two women that I was on. on a a team with. And they were supposed to be going ahead of me because they've done it four or five, six years. This is my first time ever talking to any about about my faith. And we approach this guy. Sitting on his apartment porch, he's like six, five dreads, dude, thick. I'm telling you, like, look like a bodybuilder. And this guy's out on his porch, smoking, smoking a joint. And so as we're approaching the porch, I'm backing away. And I realized the two women who were in front of me leading this, they somehow ended up behind me. And so they pushed me in front of this guy. And this guy stood up. You know, he held his joint behind his back. And I looked up at him and I just word for word, I read this this gospel track. Um, And it went a little something like this right here. Hey, we're out in the community passing waters. Um, is there anything if we could pray for you for? I'm like hiding my face behind the thing. Uh, and this guy goes, no, sir. And I go, hey, um, do you have like any pain or any sickness in your body? That we-? So we do a double check. We say, hey, do you need prayer? Okay, if they don't need prayer. Okay, well, do you have like sickness or something or pain in your body? That's pretty obvious. Um, the guy had something going on with his knee. The two women, they prayed for him. He got healed. And I just go through this Romans road to salvation, which... As I mentioned earlier, it gets a lot of criticism, but I can tell you in my own personal life, hundreds have come to Christ because of me using that Romans to road a salvation strip. And so I read this thing word for word. I'm terrified. And at the end of it, I ask him, hey, do you believe in God? He goes, yes, sir. Now, now why would he be saying why would he be responding? Responding? Yes, sir. I mean, I was a snotty nosed kid. I was probably 150 pounds. I'm like in these goofy colored shorts. But this guy with solemn respect, he answers. Yes, sir. Do you believe that Jesus died for you and that God raised him from the dead? Yes, sir. Then what is stopping you from receiving Christ today? This guy puts out his joint, gets down on his knees and invites Christ into his heart. Next week, he testifies at our church. We didn't ask him to do that. Of his own accord, he came and testified at our church. This stuff is real, y'all. So I know we've got our, our um, misconceptions out there. We've got our, our biases about what works, what doesn't. But as I've said, I've seen stranger things before. You know, on one of our outreaches, um, there was a lady who we actually knocked on the door, asked if she needed prayer for anything. This lady became a basket case. She was crying about her dog. Her dog had not walked in three years. It had cancer. Three of his legs were shorter than the other one and, and the dog hadn't walked in, in, in a few years. And so we actually go inside, we lay hands on this dog. Wanna guess what happened? The dog died. No, no. The dog, the dog got up. Like that old song. He got up. The dog got up, healed, walking around. And this woman gives a life to church. She comes to our, our church at the time, brings her dog, testifies that she's born again. When we go, he goes, because where you are, he is. The saving Savior is in you, Amen. Let's go to um, let's let's go to Luke fifteen. Let's let's talk about how God sees the laws, how He values them. And as as we're reading these, you know, I was talking to my wife Kate the other night. And I was like. Man, I wonder how many Christians read through these passages are familiar with them. There's no criticism, no judgment, but these are so important. They're so important. Like like Clint talks about the knowledge and the experience and, and, and the confidence. It's like we get these things in our heart, we can move in sync with the heart of God. He truly cares about the lost. All right, so now all the tax collectors and the sinners were coming near him to listen to him. Both the Pharisees and the scribes began to grumble, saying, this man receives sinners and he eats with them. So he told them this parable, saying, What man among you, if he has a hundred sheep and has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open pasture and go after the one which is lost until he finds it? When he has found it, he lays on it. <laughs> he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together all of his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, rejoice with me, for I found my sheep, which was lost. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over the ninety nine righteous person who needs no repentance. As I mentioned earlier, without fail, every single time I'm in worship, my heart goes from experiencing God to how how can I get him to other people? Every without fail. Without fail. Let's go to this. uh, Let's let's go on to verse eight. Or what woman, if she has 10 silver coins and loses one coin, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and search it carefully until she finds it? When she has found it. She calls together her friends and neighbors saying, rejoice with me, for I've found the coin which I had lost. In the same way, I tell you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. For God so loved the world. For God so loved the world. He loved them so much that he sent Jesus. It's really simple y'all. he he loved them so much that he sent Jesus to pay for sin, take the blame, went to hell in our stead. three days later, God raised him from the dead. Anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That happens not because Jesus miraculously appears to to some some man in Afghanistan, which by the way, that does happen. But what's so interesting is that the common pattern with that story is that as Jesus appears to a man who's in Afghanistan or Iran, they get instruction from Jesus to go to a man who would tell them everything that they need to know to give them the words of life. You guys see that? Because of how this thing is set up, Jesus requires our involvement. The salvation of the world. The lost people groups of the world will not come to know Christ <coughs> apart from our involvement and participation. Y'all, this is this is our this is our thing. As my favorite preacher would say, Till Osborne, the world is actually ours. It's ours. Jesus has already done His part. He leads us. He gives us grace. He gives us strength. He empowers us. The world is in our hands, y'all. It's ours. And if you have loved ones, if you have co-workers, if you have anyone in your community, in your world, or some random stranger that you may bypass at Kroger, you have the right. You have the privilege. You have the responsibility to tell them. This is a go and tell gospel. It's not a come and see. And I know we've gotten really, really comfortable. It's it's been it's been it's been normal. It's been the norm that we invite people to church. And, and if that's what it takes, bring them, bring them. But you should know that you are an ambassador for Christ. You have the right, the privilege and the responsibility to go and tell. Amen. Father, I thank you. As precious as rare gemstones and precious pearls, (laughs) so God esteemed the people of the world. Just do me a favor. Just just close your eyes. Just walk through this little uh, exercise with me. As As you can use your imagination to think about the nations, to think about the people who don't know Jesus in your own world, maybe that favorite uh, Thai place you go to, maybe that, maybe it's that coffee shop, uh, maybe it's the LGBT community. Um, you just get that person in your heart and on your mind, and in your own heart of hearts, just ask God. I mean, we've just went through scriptures depicting the value that He's that He has for the lost, but just ask the Lord, to deepen your value for the lost. And as you call their faces to mind, just ask the Lord, is there a need that you can help meet, whether they they need prayer or maybe it's a financial need, maybe they have sickness or uh, something plaguing their bodies. Ask the Lord in your heart of hearts, how can you participate and how can you be a blessing to them? And then as you go from there, just ask the Lord for boldness to step out and to begin to go and to tell. To go and to tell. And, and going and telling it may be as simple as that that waitress you see struggling you just you see waitresses all the time they're God, they're struggling single, single motherhood uh, um, whatever the case may be you just see them struggling and maybe your way of participating in, 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 in this is leaving a note leaving an amazing tip, that's an idea, right? Leaving a good tip and writing a note on there that Jesus loves them and that he sees them. Father, we thank you that you're dealing with our hearts. We thank you that you're leading us, you're showing us. You're showing us. As, As clear as scripture is, I thank you that you lead us and you show us how how simple, how easy it is. It's terrifying at times, but we want that accountability, Lord. We're open to it. We're willing to be willing. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Let's turn to uh, 2 Corinthians 5. And, and And these are passages I just... I soak up all the time because I want to stay reminded. I don't want to let myself, I don't want to let myself off the hook. And it's not that God has me on a hook, so to speak. I just want to own that responsibility of reaching the lost. I don't want to let up on it. I don't want to let up on it. I'm, I'm genuinely afraid of my heart becoming dull toward the lost. I'm genu- genuinely afraid of that, because I care about their eternities because I know that God does. Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter five let's go to let's start at verse uh, ten and we'll go all the way through twenty one for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive compensation for his deeds done through the body in accordance with what he has done, whether good or bad. Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade people, but we are well known to God, and I hope that we are also well known in your consciences. We are not commending ourselves to you again, but are giving you an opportunity to be proud of us, so that we will have an opportunity to answer for those who take pride in appearance and not in heart. For if we've lost our minds, it is for God. If we have a sound mind, it is for you. For the love of Christ controls us. Having concluded this, that one died for all, therefore all died. And he died for all so that those who live would no longer live to and for themselves, but for him who died and rose again on their behalf. Therefore, from now on, we recognize no one by the flesh, even though we have known Christ by the flesh, yet we have known him in this way no longer. Therefore, If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old things have passed away. Behold, new things have come. Now, all these things are from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ. And he has given us the ministry of reconciliation. Namely, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting their wrongdoings against them. And he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. And We'll stop at verse 20. Therefore, We are ambassadors for Christ as though God were making an appeal through us. We beg you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. You know, the thing is, God has already written eternities on, on everybody's heart. It says in Romans that they actually have knowledge about who God is through all of his glory and creation. It is actually inscribed on every person's heart. The knowledge of God, but the knowledge of Jesus and his resurrection. It doesn't say that that's inscribed on their hearts. Jesus said that we're to go into tell. That's the only way they're going to hear. Only way they're going to hear. I'll go to this one last passage right here. Just to make it even clearer, this will be the last passage we'll read. We're going to go to Romans 10. And we will start at start at verse nine. I just feel like it's really important to um, to go through these passages. Um, I've met many Christians who have never read about the Great Commission, couldn't identify it. And again, there's, there's no criticism, there's no judgment, but it's bringing forth that knowledge. Knowledge that actually by the Holy Spirit, he's already written in our hearts. You know, the prophet Jeremiah, he said that 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 God by his Holy Spirit will give us a new heart and he will write all of his laws on our hearts. And Jesus actually said that the law is fulfilled in this right here. Loving God with all your mind, heart, strength and soul and loving your neighbor as you love yourself. That Samaritan, Jesus went on to ask the the lawyer who was who was testing him, he asked, who do you think his neighbor was? The neighbor was the guy who actually took care of the the guy who was sick and and beaten, left half of dead. The neighbor in that story was the Samaritan. Thank you, Lord. Romans 10, verse 9. That if you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart a person believes, resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. For the scripture says whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord is Lord of all, abounding in riches for all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved." How then are they to call on him in whom they have not believed? How are they to believe in him in whom they have not heard? And how are they to hear without a preacher? But how are they to preach unless they are sent? Just it is written, beautiful, beautiful. Beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news of good things. We are trumpeters who herald his heroism. We herald his heroic acts at Calvary. We are the ambassadors for Christ. And the only way that our world is going to know is when we tell. We go and tell. And in going and in telling, Jesus actually promised to confirm his word. Jesus is actually in this room right now. And he's in every one of you seeking to save that which was lost. You know, Jesus had a knack for hanging out with, um, hanging out with sinners and tax collectors. You know about the tax collectors, they they got a really, really bad rap. But Jesus made this statement right here. He said that it is not those who are well that have a need of a physician, but it's those who are sick. For I've come to call sinners. Jesus came to call sinners. Jesus is actually calling sinners right now. And he's doing it through you, Hans. Yeah. Jesus saves. The way that man is saved is when God's people, followers of Jesus, participate by verbally communicating the gospel. You don't have to be an amazing orator. That word preach is not about volume. It's not about gift of gab or any of that. But it's about sincerely, zealously communicating that which our risen Christ has done. And he is alive. You guys believe that? I believe that if we stood before any single person without Christ, when I'm out and about and and just recently I was at my gas store and I saw one of the the clerks there I've never seen before. And I walked up to him and I'm I'm paying for my I'm not supposed to be eating hot Cheetos right now, but I was Kate's Kate's got me on a uh, we're supposed to be doing a diet pretty soon. But I was paying for my hot Cheetos and my Snickers. And as I'm putting the card in there, I just started thinking about this guy's eternity. And I asked, hey, man, like I just I need you to know how much God loves you. You're precious and you're valuable to him. And he looks at me funny like every person has looked at me the past two years. I've been telling this then I asked him this question right here. Man, you ever heard anything like that before? And he chuckles and he tells me he's never heard that before. And so I began to just tell him about Jesus, what Christ has done for him, his plan for his life. And he kind of gives me this this interesting look. And at some point, a conversation broke and I asked him, hey, where are you from? He goes, I'm from Pakistan. I'm actually Muslim. And I go, oh, that's awesome. And he goes, you know, my wife is actually a Christian. And so without being disrespectful, I I asked. Your wife is a Christian. Has she ever told you any of the things I just said? She doesn't talk about her faith is what he told me. For the past two years, two years, I'm on purpose. Every person I've witnessed to, I have asked them the question. Has anyone ever have you heard anything like this before? Have you ever heard about God's love for you? And maybe some people have heard it in church, communicated from the pulpit, but one on one, it just hits differently. And in the past two years, there's only been one person that I've had tell me that they've been told that. And I was at Kroger the other day. And this guy happened to be a Christian. And he freaked out because I was rejoicing that this guy was actually saved. But here's the thing, y'all. I have not gotten over my salvation. I have not gotten over it yet. I'm still just as elated. That God has saved me, that he's rescued me from the kingdom of darkness and he's transferred me into the kingdom of his son, of his Light. I haven't gotten over it yet. That's why you hear me cry so loud. That's why you see me flinging snot and whatnot. I'm not going to get over it. Jesus is alive and he saves. But I'm telling you, not only if you begin to tell people about how much God loves them, you may not be at a place where you want to ask them about their eternities. But if you ask people after sharing God's love with them, you would be surprised that people would say that they've never had anyone personally tell them that before. And man, it breaks my heart. It absolutely breaks my heart. It makes me angry, just like the man in the parable of the, the Good Samaritan. That people are wandering in life, maimed, crippled, broken, gripped by darkness. And no one has told them about Jesus before. I think it angers God, not at his church, but it's just a groaning because God so loved the world that he sent Jesus. That he sent Jesus. Father, I thank you. Father, I thank you. Father, I pray you guys can just bow your heads and just uh, just turn your hearts to the Lord right now. Father, I thank you that you so love the world. That it doesn't matter there which political side they're on. It doesn't matter how much sin they have in their life, their lifestyles, BLM, LGBT, the left, whatever, Lord. We all need the saving Savior. And he saves and he's so passionate. He's the great evangelist. And I thank you, Father, that you have made it clear in your word that we're to participate, we're to be actively involved in that commission. We thank you, Lord, that it's not to the apostles, but it's to every follower of Jesus. And if there's any follower of Jesus who has yet allowed you to to lead them in that direction, in that calling. Father, I pray that they would sense that call and that mandate. That they would sense that call and that mandate. That call and that mandate that we are one. We're joined with the Lord just as in a marriage, Father, that there's an exchange of values and priorities. Whatever our priorities were before we gave our life to you, they sit on the back burner and yours come first, Father. Your priority is the loss. It's the dream of God, the dream of Jesus, that all would be saved. And we thank you that you made a way and that you are saving through us, Jesus. The saving Savior saves through me. Say that. Say, the saving Savior saves through me. I'm his vessel. I belong to him. I am an ambassador for Christ. My family members, those in my community, my co-workers, have hope because I have the hope of the world. Jesus, the Savior, is saving through me. Amen. Awesome. Awesome. Hey, Tori, before you go, would you mind? I know I, f- I just have a feeling there might be people here or people watching online that haven't said yes to Jesus for the first time or maybe no. or feel like they're recommitting. Would you yeah. mind praying for that real quick? Yeah. Thanks. yeah. 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 Thank you, Lord. The truth of the matter is God is not mad at you. He's not against you. Sin is his problem. And he's made a way for that sin to be taken care of. You can't do it in and of your own strength. Jesus has already paid for it in full. Your sins are not holding you against God. The Bible says that we were enemies within our mind. But God has made a way to purge our consciences through the blood, the precious blood of Jesus. And if you don't know him, you can know him. If you haven't received him, he is knocking at your door and he wants to sit at the table with you. Jesus died for our sins. He was buried in a tomb. And three days later, God raised him from the dead. In doing so, he accomplished all of the promises of God to be awarded to any man that would say yes to Jesus. If you have sickness, if you have sin in your life, all of those things, Jesus is already taken care of. There's nothing that you have to earn. He's just inviting you. He's knocking at your door. We don't find him. He finds you. And he's already by his Holy Spirit been convicting the world of sin. He's convicting his church of righteousness, but he's now knocking at your door. And all you have to do is make a decision to make Jesus your Lord. And in doing so, he promises to lead you in all that God has for you. He promises to lead you into your family, into your work environment, into your wherever you go, into your world. He wants to save you and he wants to save through you. So if you've never given your life to Jesus, here's a simple prayer that you can pray as a way of inviting Christ into your heart to be your Lord. Just say this, God, I believe that you love me. I believe that you love the world so much that you sent Jesus to be the propitiation for my sins. I don't have to experience any wrath. I don't have to experience any shortcomings. I believe that you raised Jesus from the dead so that I can have new life, empowerment, new purpose, healing for my body, and hope that will never fade away. God, I now call you my father and I trust you and your son, Jesus, to lead me into everlasting life. Amen.